Welcome to episode 77 of Therese Talk. I'm your host, Therese Main. By day, I co-host a morning radio show on a network in New York and Pennsylvania. By night, I'm a podcaster. If you're a woman like me who loves Jesus and just wants to serve her family and community a little bit better, you're in the right place. If you would, take a moment right now to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. God never promises an easy life. In fact, the Bible tells us we will have trouble. And so often those trials lead us right into the arms of Jesus. For the Kelly family, their second-born, Hunter, represented so much promise. The son of Hall of Fame Buffalo Bills quarterback Jim Kelly, Hunter was born with the expectation of football games in the yard and hunting trips with his dad. But Hunter would never speak a word or throw a perfect spiral. His life, though short, was profound. Hunter's mother, Jill Kelly, and his sister, Erin Kelly Bean, recently joined us for the Family Life Christmas Ladies Luncheon. I hope you find our conversation overflowing with hope in the midst of trials. Thank you. Oh, For anyone who doesn't know the story of Hunter, how many people here have read Without a Word? Okay, if you haven't, this is actually one of my favorite books. And just in preparation for this, I started reading it again, and I was like, oh, this is so good. I should read it again and again and again, because there's so much goodness despite impossible circumstances. So let's hear and about that your... that was even, you know, we, God had me write that before Jim went through oral cancer three times, before everything that Aaron um, went through over the last four plus years. So uh, there's a to be continued should be at the end of that book. We Not have good. known you for so very long because you really kind of had to live your life out publicly. You know, here you were just a small town girl, yeah. small town yeah, West okay. New York girl, uh, end up married to this quarterback. I mean, NFL quarterback, that's like limelight. And then you have this beautiful daughter, Aaron, and life from the outside looks like Things are going great. And then right. you have a son. You have a son born on your husband's birthday. Like, Valentine's it doesn't get, Day. and it's Valentine's Day. Yeah. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. And was it about four months with Hunter that you were like, things just aren't, aren't quite uh, actually, right? Actually, right after we brought him home. But again, God is a God of order. And Aaron came first. So he, it was a revelation for me, maybe because of all that she has been going through, but God reminded me that he is a God of order, and had I not had Aaron, and mind you, I was not married when I had Aaron, so I was afraid, and all the things that go along with having a child out of wedlock, and all of those sort of things, but God is a God of redemption, and that redemption is sitting right here. Uh, so to have her here with me and to have her actually be up here sharing as well is a testimony beyond testimony of what God can do through our broken lives, through our choices that we make, because he is a God of redemption and he's a God of perfect love. And she is an example of just that. So, and if it wasn't for Aaron, I wouldn't be married and then have had Hunter. So Hunter was conceived on our honeymoon, actually, which is so perfect, right? We had already had Aaron, and Jim comes from a family of six boys. 
and they all had boys except for one brother. So the pressure was on, as you can imagine. He wanted to have a boy. He wanted to do all the things that fathers and sons do, all the things that he did with his dad. He wanted to have the protege son, the son that was going to play football and do all those sort of things. And so I went to an appointment to have an ultrasound, and Jim was coming with me during most of these appointments, but there was one appointment that he did not come, and they asked me if I wanted to know the sex, because we were going to have it be a surprise the second time, and I found out. So I found out that we were having a son, and this is in the midst of Jim deciding that he was going to retire from football, and mind you, <laughs> this is Jim. Jim still signs the kids' cards with a 12 and a heart. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding you. It's, it's what, and the number 12 obviously is very significant to us, and it's also a biblical number, so let's give it for, you know, get some biblical out of it, but, um, you know, he wanted to have a son, and I knew that we were having a boy, and I waited, because he retired from football two weeks before my water broke, and my water broke, as you said, on Jim's birthday, Valentine's Day. No one could have written that script any better. I thought we were living the perfect scenario, the perfect story. We had already had a daughter. Now we had this son that Jim had wanted. And it was, he passed all of his newborn screening tests with flying color. I mean, it was, everything was perfect. It was the easiest pregnancy I had. I had, um, you know, wasn't feeling well for the first three months with Aaron. And then Cameron was a total disaster. But that's a whole nother story. Um, so with Hunter, everything went perfect at the hospital. We took him home. Soon after we brought Hunter home, however, he became irritable. Now, when I say irritable, I don't mean just, you know, crying here and there like babies do. That's normal. Aaron had colic, so... I thought, well, maybe he has a little bit of colic, too, like Aaron had. Uh, however, his irritability continued to be nonstop. I mean, literally, he would cry all the time, and we were, he was inconsolable most of the time if he was sleeping. By the way, I, in the midst of this, I'm talking to the pediatrician. I'm saying, something's not right. So I stopped nursing. She said, well, let's try some different formulas. So we tried every formula pretty much under the sun, it seemed. And, and he was still irritable, still having a hard time using a bottle. I remember, and, and you know, as a mom, you do these things, you just, you just do it, right? You don't even think that something could possibly be seriously wrong, but yet you have that mother's instinct that God has given us. And so I, I knew something wasn't right, but at the same time, I didn't think it could be something terribly wrong. And so I just, you know, would hold his cheeks while I was giving him a bottle to help him grasp onto the bottle. And, and I was doing all of these things just trying to help Hunter. And finally, we went to a well visit. And you know, if you're a mom, you go to the three-month well visit and you have the measurements, you get um, vaccinations all or shots and all those kinds of things. And while we were there, it was a different pediatrician that was there. She said to us, you know, your son is showing signs of cerebral palsy. And we were like, oh, you know, in my mind, I'm like, wait a minute, we came here for a well visit. We came here for some measurements and some, you know, to be weighed. And, and we were shocked. We left the office. We were devastated. And we started all of the things. Um, you know, we believed that there was help and hope for Hunter because you can. You can, you can be a highly functioning person with cerebral palsy. So we started all of, you know, all of the things. Occupational therapy, um, physical therapy. And Hunter continued to get worse. So four months into his life we took Hunter to see a neurologist, 
And she said, I'm going to test your son, Hunter, for a family of leukodystrophies. They're diseases. They're all fatal. They're all genetic. And I went home, and I looked that up on Google. Google. Just don't Google anything, right? <laughs> Just don't even bother Googling things. And everything was genetic, and they were fatal. So I, I felt very secure. I felt positive in the fact that he would not have one of these diseases because Jim and I both come from healthy families. And, and it wasn't even a thought in my mind that one of these could be what Hunter had. So we did the blood work with the neurologist. We came home. She called us up, wanted us to go down to see her so that she could share the results with us. We got to her office. I'll never forget this day, obviously. We went into her office. I remember where I sat. I remember who sat at the table with us, all the things about the room, because Dr. Duffner, that was her name, the neurologist's name, she looked at Jim and I, and she said, your son Hunter has been diagnosed with Crabbe leukodystrophy. There is no cure, and there is no treatment, and he will probably not live to see his second birthday. Now, you know, in my mind at the time, First of all, we were completely shocked in every way. And, but in my mind, I honestly turned to the things of this world. I, I was like, wait a minute. This is Jim Kelly's son, okay? This is Jim Kelly's son. Like, we can go somewhere. We, can, we have money, his name. So I, I, I looked to all the things of this world, but all of those things were empty and meaningless, and they were not going to help Hunter. And you know, at the time, I expected something to be there, but because God is so gracious and kind and loving, that might sound unusual, I'm so thankful that there was not an earthly answer for Hunter. Because if there was an earthly answer, I would have kept reaching for the earthly thing. The truth is, I had to go beyond earth. I had to go beyond what I knew. All I knew was what I knew. And so that was a turning point for me. And Jim and I dealt with this very differently. Men and women do deal with these types of circumstances very differently. And for a very, very long time, you know, I had a lot of resentment towards Jim because I was running to Hunter. I mean, I was like consumed with his care. And Jim was running in the opposite direction. And so our, our marriage took a huge hit. Um, and so that was when he was diagnosed, when he was diagnosed at four months with Crabbe. And in the midst of that illness, you had this uncle, uh, Uncle mm -hmm. Mark, who started sharing Jesus with you. But it wasn't until a trip later on with some other relatives when you finally kind of started putting the pieces together and realized that what you were reaching for was Way beyond earth. My Uncle Mark would come over. He was a Jesus freak, y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you know. He brought the Bible. He, and at this point in time, we got CDs. We don't have iPhone. You know, I, don't, I don't even know if I have a cell phone at that point in time. But he's bringing the CDs, the concordance, the Jesus videos, and the, all, the whole thing. And I was like, okay, I don't know how you can be that joyful about Jesus. I mean, I would just be like, whoa, okay. But he, uh, the one thing that I remember the most about my Uncle Mark is that he was, had contagious joy, filled with joy. And here I am. I am falling apart at the seams. I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid. I'm consumed with fear and anxiety. I mean, I, 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 
they said he wasn't going to live until, he, he might not live to see his second birthday. I mean, I don't know, right? I don't know what day. It could be this day. It could be the tomorrow. I mean, so I was so consumed with death and fear and all those things. And Mark walks in with joy. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't even so much what he said, but how he loved us and how much joy he had. And I wanted it desperately. I wanted what he had so bad. I wanted, I wanted Jesus, and I didn't even know that I needed him. Because guess what? Guess what? We all come to Christ for selfish reasons. I ran after him so hard because I want to know about heaven. I heard about heaven. I was raised in the church. I saw Jesus on a cross. I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't care about the things of God. God was not on my radar screen until everything of this earth meant nothing. Was going, couldn't do anything for me. But we all seek after other things because you know what? We can't be unselfish unless Christ dwells in us. So I, I wanted everything Mark had to say, and he brought me to the book of Job. Well, that'll do it. I mean, like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I want to know about other things that are going to break my heart. That's great. No, I, I'm so thankful that he brought me to the book of Job. Because I'll tell you something, in, a very, in my early walk with God, I learned one thing that has carried me through every single thing I have ever walked through on the face of this earth. On, of this or I'm getting excited. God is sovereign. Oh, he's sovereign. Oh, we have an enemy. We don't need to pay him no mind, ladies, because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. There is not one thing in any of our lives that is going to touch or come into our lives that is not father filtered. It, it's true. It's true. And I have lived through that. And so here's Mark bringing me to the book of Job. And I'm like, oh, my Okay, all right, but yet this is, this is what God taught me so early on is that he is sovereign, and God, con God continued to bring Mark to our house, and he continued to bring the joy that he had to our home, and he continued to talk to us about Jesus, and one of the things that he said, and I will never forget this, he said to me, he said, you know what, because I was talking about how much I love my children, I couldn't understand how, why would God do this, and all the questions, right, because God is big enough for our questions, Aren't you so thankful for David asking the questions? Aren't you so thankful for Job asking the questions and saying, oh, if I was a bird, I would fly away. Oh, I have wanted to be a bird and fly away. I wanted to be a bird. I just don't want to be here. And so here Mark is coming over, and he says to me, and I'm talking about how much I love my kids, and I can't, you know, what am I, how are we going to walk through this, and all those questions. And he's like, you know what? And he said this in such a kind, gentle convicting way. Even though I didn't know what conviction was at that point, huh, I know it is now. <laughs> oh boy. Um, he said, you know what, you will never know what real love is until you know the love the Father has through, through his son Jesus. And I was like, I kind of had an attitude. I mean, you can probably tell I can have an attitude sometimes. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what? And he's right. God is love. He's the definition. We don't even know what love is unless we have the love of Christ in us. We cannot love people. We can't forgive people. We can't have joy. We can't have peace. We don't even have life apart from him. And that was the one thing. 
You know, because here Hunter was given this diagnosis that he was dying, right? And I didn't realize until the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in me that we were dying. We were the ones dying too. God was ministering to us through my Uncle Mark, and it was through my, uh, actually my Aunt Patsy, who's in heaven. Patsy, that is such a classic name, Patsy. Um, no, you don't hear people naming their kids. Are you going to name your kid Patsy one day? I don't think so. Um, anyway, my Aunt Patsy and my Uncle Jim were believers, and we were, I was there with Aaron. I'm just coming to this realization in these pivotal moments of my life. You were there. I'm with my aunt and uncle, and Aaron was with me, and she was little, and we were down in Florida because um, we would take, try to take Hunter down there because of RSV. I'm sure you're familiar with RSV, but Hunter was compromised. His lungs were always compromised. He had pneumonia many times, was on a respirator many times as well. And so we, anyway, we're down in Florida because that's where they live, and I just lost it. I hit the wall. I lost it. I was bawling, and... My Uncle Mark is Aunt Patsy's brother, so, and this is my mom's younger brother, Mark, and my mom's older sister, Patsy. My mom comes from a family of 10. So anyway, they, they, they saw me. I was a complete mess, and they just said, why don't we just pray? And I got down on my knees. She was there, and they just prayed over me, and I prayed with them. And honestly, I don't remember, I don't remember what I said. You know, but at the end of the day, I knew that something changed. I knew that God had already been planting seeds through my Uncle Mark and that I received by grace through faith, nothing of myself, the grace of God through the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I was saved. And everything changed, literally, when I say everything. And it should it should. The God of the universe, the God who holds the stars and puts the stars in place and calls them each by name, the God who holds it all together, like we're not breathing without him. We lose sight of these things, don't we? We lose sight of the most simple things that God does that are actually not simple at all. Like we survive because of him. And when he <laughs> dwells in us, and there's a scripture he has given us everything we need for life and godliness, and that we have the power that raises the dead in us. Hello, hello. If we could walk in that, we have it. We already have it. My mom, that's a new thing. My God has given her this, this message over the last two years, I feel like. You already have it. You already have it. We already have it. If you are in Christ, you already have it. You have everything you need for life and godliness. There were so many things that you mentioned. Uh, one of them is, is affluence. I mean, you had a certain amount of money and fame and notoriety. But then on the flip side of that, there's so much trauma in your life. Um, losing a child, huge trauma. Uh, relationship with your husband, huge trauma. Husband gets cancer, huge trauma. And I was, I was so happy in my soul to see you post about getting therapy mm. because I thought anyone who has been through so many traumas I mean pick one of those or half of one of those and you should be talking to someone and you right. both have been very honest with mental health issues uh, depression anxiety eating disorders uh, and we need to just destigmatize it you're Amen. not a bad Christian if you have depression no 
my own experience with depression and anxiety and panic attacks uh, first happened eight months after Hunter went to heaven. I woke up in a shroud of consuming darkness and no matter what I did as far as the things that I knew to do, worship, pray, get other people to pray, and to seek God's face on the floor, I was still in a season of darkness. And I share that because, yes, I believe it is a spiritual battle, without a doubt. But again, if you read the book of Job, <laughs> who, who started that? God did. If you read it, God said, have you considered my servant Job? I find comfort in that, but on the flip side, that's a struggle. Why, God? Am I not heartbroken enough? So I went through a season eight months after Hunter went to heaven. It was very scary. I needed a lot of help, and eventually I did go on medication, but I did not seek counseling. I did not seek therapy in that season of my life. It wasn't until this last year, it was actually last June, I was in the hospital with Jim in New York City. He was getting ankle, oh, ankle replacement surgery, like, oh, once you go through cancer three times, like an ankle replacement surgery you think is like walk in the park. It's not. And I had left him in the at the hospital because it was late at night, and I went back to my hotel room, and I just, that same shroud of darkness came over me, and it was horrendous and scary and awful and all the things that it is. And however, prior to this, Erin had experienced, gone through her own experience, and she was very proactive getting therapy and counseling and all of the things that are very important. And she inspired me to seek counseling. And I'll tell you something, it is the best decision I've ever made. I, I know I trust God's timing is perfect. I can't sit up here and say, oh, I should have gotten it sooner. You know, I trust God's timing for that. But it has been an integral part of my healing. Erin, how did you know that it was time to to get help beyond yourself? Actually, it was really interesting because it started as physical pain. Mm -hmm. um, I was in tremendous physical pain, and to fast forward, I was eventually diagnosed with Lyme disease, um, and that's really where my pain was coming from, but I'd been dealing with it since I was in, in high, high school, school. Um, and it wasn't until I did a year of law school, and it was the start of my second year of law school, and she said to me, she said, okay, you've been experiencing this pain for a while. I'd gone to so many doctors, got all the tests done, and every doctor said, you're fine. Mm -hmm. You are the picture of health. And I said, I'm not fine. I feel like I'm dying. Something is wrong. And so she suggested that maybe you're carrying this, this weight of emotion that's causing you pain. And at the time, I was like, you're crazy. Like, awesome. what do you mean? What are you talking about? Um, you know us moms. We <laughs> always know what's right, right? What's going on. Yeah, no, we right. don't. Okay. No, we don't. <laughs> um, but so I said, okay, I will 
try it. Um, and so I started meeting with a mentor first, and I just kind of shared what I had walked through from losing my brother at the age of 10 to walking alongside my dad as he went through cancer three times um, to my marriage and all of the things. And she just walked me through it and talked me and poured God's word into my life. And in the midst of it, I realized that there was a lot of things that I was carrying. There were a lot of things that I was carrying emotionally, spiritually. I was in just this place of desperation. And really, I had stuffed my emotions for my entire life up until I was 24. I wrote a book called Kelly Tough. And in this season, I was the furthest thing from tough. Like, I was down on my knees, broken, and I was just like, I can't be strong anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I need to allow myself to be weak. And I think that's such a God thing that God brought me to a place where I needed to rely on his strength and not my own. Because for so much of my life, yes, I, you know, was raised in a Christian household and I'm so thankful for that and gave my life to Christ when I was five years old. But it wasn't until this last season of really struggling that my faith became my own. It wasn't based on my mother's faith or my grandmother's faith, but it was really mine. Um, and so, you know, I started this counseling journey and within two, three months, um, I just remember hitting a complete wall of darkness and depression. And I remember saying to my husband, I said, I just want you to know that I feel like God is walking me into a season of grief. And I, I just felt like God prepared my heart for that in a way. Was I prepared for the depths of it and where it would go? Absolutely not. Um, because it, it got very dark for many, many years. And to be completely honest with you, I am still walking through it. I am not where I was, but I also know that I'm not where I want to be and I'm not where God is still walking me through it every single day. Um, and so, you know, I just, I started seeking another counselor because I was diagnosed with an eating disorder, which I also think is a huge stigma because people look and they say, oh, she doesn't look like she has an eating disorder. And so in the same thing with depression, I, I masked my depression for a really, really long time with a smile on my face. I remember my grandma said to me, she was like, I would have never known you were hurting. I would have never known you're always so joyful. And that is the thing is that we can't tell from the outside. No. There's so much going on on the inside of every single person, things that people don't talk about. And that's why I feel like it's so important to talk about it and bring it into the light. And that's what counseling did for me was allow me to first bring it into the light with someone that I could trust um, and then bring it to the light with my family and my husband and eventually bring it into the light to the world, the people that follow me and our family on social media. And I just think it took me a while to get there. Um, I was not ready to share it for a very long time and I didn't believe that I needed to share it. But I got to a point where God was just like, people need to know. People need to know that they're not the only one. Amen. And I think that is one of the most powerful things about going through grief and depression, anxiety, all of those things. And I went through it for three straight years of just could not get out of darkness. Mm -hmm. 
and again, medication and on medication for Lyme disease and just having things, nothing working. Nothing was getting me onto the other side. And just the community that surrounded me, the people that reminded me that you're not alone, we're with you in this. And I just wanna say too that the faith aspect in mental health is huge and that my faith was very shaken. Mm -hmm. Like I doubted everything I ever knew about God. I doubted, okay, are you good? Are you real? Mm. I asked, why? Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why won't you bring me out of this? And God just continued to show me more of himself. And he surrounded me with a community of people that said, okay, you can share my faith. I'll, mm. I'll give you my faith because you feel faithless. So walk alongside me and I'll carry you. I'll help carry you. I just want to encourage you that if you know people that are struggling with mental health, if you are, if they're in your family or friends or community, just, you don't have to have the answer. Mm. You know, I didn't need to have the answer. I just needed people to be there for me and with me. And if you're struggling with mental health yourself, you're not alone. We are a testament to that. You're not alone. But God, I believe, can do immeasurably more through our pain. I wanted to have an answer she would say something and I would say the truth over it. And it was just like, I, that's all, I, I was doing all that I knew to do. And at the same time, I felt like <laughs> I could cry thinking about it, but I felt like God was just like, just hug her. Oh, you guys, you know what I mean? When you're a parent and your child is, and, and then it was another one of my children going through something I had no control again. Again, as if I shouldn't have learned from the first journey of not having any control whatsoever and just having to completely trust in, in the Father. And here I am again. I wish I would have learned the first time, you know. But we're all, you know, we are a work in progress. Amen? Like, we are not, he's not finished yet. And he says he begins this good work and that he will be faithful to complete it. He will. I want to make sure that we mention Hunter's Hope. Okay. Because it's another kind of community that you've created. Uh, and there isn't mandatory newborn screening for, for crabies, and that's something that you guys are advocating for. Uh, also research, caring for families who are in the same situation uh, that you have lived through. And a new podcast, Light Your Heart with Hope. And there's so much during this time of year that's about hope. You know, as we walk into the holidays, it's not always easy, you know? It's hard, mm -hmm. things that we've walked through. And then we gather together, and it's like, all of a sudden, we're supposed to be filled with joy and hope and love and twinkling lights on trees and things. Uh, there's something that you wrote in Without a Word about Robert, um, which who was Hunter's best friend, mm -hmm. and um, talking about change. And I thought it was profound because... It's not the same circumstance, but I think that we all kind of feel this in the holidays. While change is difficult, it can be the uncharted pathway to uncommon joy, an unexpected miracle. Hunter taught us how to live with change and anticipate it. Change we grudgingly succumb to, kicking and screaming, and that knowing the unknown doesn't have to be scary. As we move into these seasons again, and I feel like we're all kind of in uncharted territory again, there's something about change that we tend to naturally fear, mm -hmm. but we shouldn't. So how can we look toward that with, with hope and anticipation of good? 
when yeah. you said change, this is one of the things that popped into my head that I think God has shown me is that um, change can come with a cost, mm. but it's worth it. Because I think some things we choose to change in our lives because they need to change because God is stirring in our heart. I know for myself, there were a lot of things that in the midst of my season that God was like, this needs to change. And it comes with a cost. Mm -hmm. But God reminded me that it's worth it. And some change we can't control, though, as well. Like my nephew, um, a few months ago, he passed away at, he was a year and a half years old. And I've talked to my sister-in-law and walking into the holidays, walking into Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and Christmas, the first time not having her son here with her is extremely difficult and it's difficult for my husband and I too and just going through this of he should be here in our mind he should be here and then we look to the hope of heaven and know that he because he was born with um, a heart disease and just he's pain-free I'm like he's with Hunter (laughs) he's with my brother so I I love that you said that change comes with a cost because there are certain things that we have that is so true and so powerful And yet there is someone who does not change. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. I, 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 going through all the circumstances that we have been through and like saying, okay, I think all the shoes dropped. And, but in the midst of all of that, he has never changed. God is, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And thank God we have an unchangeable God because we don't know what tomorrow holds. But we know the one who does hold tomorrow, right? It sounds cliche, but it's true. It's overwhelming. It really is. It's overwhelming. And I I can't handle it. You know, that cliche that people say, God will never give you more than you can handle. Be honest, you probably said it. (laughs) It's not true. God has given me way more than I can handle. And that's because I'm not meant to handle it. Neither are you. We are not meant to. We cannot handle this. But he can. And he will. And he does. For us and through us. And because of who he is. Something you did after Hunter went to heaven, your first birthday, you had everyone who was in the family and on the care team write memories of Hunter, which is just such a sweet thing to do uh, in lieu of gifts on your birthday. Um, You guys have certain traditions on Valentine's Day to honor him and his life. And at Christmas, you have some pretty unique ways of remembering Hunter. There's a tree. You have a Hunter tree Mm -hmm. and something with hearts on Christmas morning. Would you share some of your holiday traditions? You share the hearts. You want to share the hearts? I'll do the tree. You share the hearts. (laughs) The hunter tree. We call it the hunter tree. It's we have pictures of hunter all over the tree and you know H's and all that sort of thing. But it's obviously significant because we know he's he's in heaven and hello, Christmas in heaven, come on. (laughs) It's like every day. (laughs) times a bazillion so beyond anything we can possibly comprehend and you know it's and it's interesting because it's not like you know I don't go to the cemetery because Hunter's there like he's not there 
He's not there. We go there on significant days as well just to reflect, to reflect on the gift of Hunter's life and, and how God blessed us so immeasurably through Hunter. And, uh, you know, and the tree is significant, and we always, we always bring the Hunter tree out. And it's already, by the way, I stopped taking the, I stopped taking the decorations off it. Okay, I put a black bag around it, and we can't. <laughs> I don't know. I know my so tree. So you pack say, away the tree decorated, yeah. and then you just take oh it yeah, out of the bag it just comes it. out. Before we would take it. Who does that anymore? Who takes bulbs off and stuff? No. Well, when you our have a twelve tre- foot tree. Okay, so and our to. tree. So for and we're keeping our tree up. I'll take the bulbs down. I will be taking the bulbs down, but we're keeping our tree up all year round. I'm not taking it down. The lights can stay. Yeah. Um, So Christmas morning, we have little hearts that we cut out of paper, and we write our names on them. And we've been doing this since... Well, wait, well, when Hunter was here. Yeah, when you guys were were little. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we write the date on the back, and then write our name on it. And it's before we open any presents or anything, and it's just us giving our hearts to God first. Like, that's our symbol of that. And we still do it even mm-hmm. after Hunter went to heaven. And it's interesting, too, it's amazing when we're talking about change, is that my husband now being a part of our family, he's a part of that, too. So for the last five years that we've been married, he's also put a heart in. And I just, I don't know, I think that's really special because he is still, I don't know, he never met Hunter which I really struggled with for a long time. But him just being a part of our Christmas traditions that we did with Hunter just kind of brings it full circle and is just really a blessing. So, Find out more about the Kelly family at huntershope.org and look for the Light Your Heart with Hope podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on. Jill's book, Without a Word, tells the story of Hunter's life and how God moved in their family. She's also written several books and devotionals on grief and hope. Erin is the author of Kelly Tough, a book about her relationship with her dad. If you've enjoyed this episode of Therese Talk, be sure to subscribe. If you really loved it, consider making a gift to Family Life, the ministry this podcast is a part of. Just go to familylife.org and find out more about what we do. Did you know Family Life offers a variety of podcasts? From news to kids to faith, you'll find a favorite on demand at familylife.org slash podcast.